that any activity that you perform in the lucid dreaming state, whether that's a, a physical activity or a mental one, your brain waves and your, your brain neural connection is going to be performing in the same way as it would if you were actually performing the activity in waking reality. So you're essentially training your brain. So whatever that is, if you have stage fright, um, I've had a few clients that had stage fright and I've just, you know, got them into that first lucid dream where they spoke in front of like 2000 people. And because there was no consequences, right? They didn't have any negative association with an outcome. They essentially programmed their mind over one or two lucid dreams to go, no, I can do this because technically I already have. Jamie, what's up? How you doing, Luke? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. It's good to have you on here, bro. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to have you on because out of all the people I know that talk about lucid dreaming, you are the numero uno. You're the one that knows the most. You have a, a company called Mind Made Lucid that you do workshops in. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I've been yeah, doing, I've uh, been running seminars through Mind Made Lucid and one-on-one -on -one coaching for a bit over two years now. Epic. And what what made you start lucid dreaming? Like, what's the what's the mo for that? What's your journey to lucid? Mm, I guess. I've always been quite fascinated about the, uh, I guess, the possibilities and nature of consciousness. And when I found out that it was possible to literally become conscious within a dream state, uh, I, th I just thought that was the most interesting state of mind to be in. And I looked into it a little bit more. And then my dad uh, bought me a book for my 17th birthday on it. And I was just right down that rabbit hole. And um, yeah, so I've been lucid dreaming for about eight years now, a bit over eight years. And got to a point where I realized no one was really... I guess, constructing courses around it. They were just throwing out a bunch of different techniques, different methods that I would see on YouTube, but there was no structured approach. And after eight years, I realized there's only a few core real uh, methods that have the highest success rate. So I thought, why don't I put together a bit of a course here that makes it easiest for anybody to just jump right in and, and learn. Um, so that's where the seminar, seminar ideas kind of started to come from. Epic. And for those who don't know, like myself, where did lucid dreaming start? Is it a, mm. was it a scientific Western thing that someone uh, brewed up in a lab? Was it a, an Eastern thing? Where did it all start? Where did it all come from? Well, the possibility to become conscious within the dream state is something that humans have been experiencing for thousands and thousands of years. The term lucid dreaming arrived in the West fully around the early 70s when it gained a bit more traction from a scientific perspective. Um, when a man called Stephen Leberg, who's a uh, really experienced lucid dreamer, conducted some he of the first German. studies on it. He might very well be. I'm not sure of his background. <laughs> Those um, Germans are always so good at thinking up things with the mind and engineering. Yeah, they the, the engineered logical approach. Like, there are actually quite a few German lucid dreamers as well. It's a bit of a big community there. But, yeah, so they started the first um, lab experiments on lucid dreaming where they would essentially get a participant and get a lucid dreamer to close their eyes and uh, they would set up a specific set of eye movements that the lucid dreamer is going to conduct once they're in REM sleep, which is the period in which we dream. Because Rapid eye can, movement? That's correct, yeah. So you can move your eyes um, when you're asleep in dream state, even though your body is in essentially sleep paralysis once you're dreaming, but your eyes can still move in the waking state. So they were like, all right, we're going to do these set of control, control experiments where you move these eyes in this, this particular pattern. We can see the, on the EEG machine that your brain is in REM sleep. And um, they did this over and over and that proved that it was a possibility. Um, and from there, it's gained, you know, definitely a bit more, a uh, bit more attraction. 
and, and it's definitely growing. But no, lucid dreaming has been practiced for thousands of years in the East, um, actually as an approach to enlightenment. Monks would use it as a, a pathway to enlightenment um, because it is what you could define as a higher dimension of consciousness, a just a different state of consciousness where you can uh, have a variety of different experiences that can significantly enhance your reality and, and your growth. So, yeah. Can you From imagine being the first person that, that discovered that? The first person that did lucid yeah, dreaming? Became lucid, like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's what it's like usually when, when I teach, like, you know, some of my clients would be like, oh, my first lucid dreaming, like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's, it's <laughs> the most surreal, like, you're like, what the fuck, I'm dreaming, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, I still don't get over it. It's been like eight years and even now when I become lucid, I'm just like, oh, yes, I'm back, you know? Well, yeah. I've heard from people that, you know, often when you have the experience of being lucid, as you might mm. put it, it's so exhilarating and exciting that in mm. the dream you wake yourself up and you kind of, yeah, yeah like you, you kind of self-sabotage the dream by waking yourself up. Exactly. It's, um, it's important to, you have to learn to remain stable in those initial moments because that excitement actually does collapse the dream space, you know. So um, I always tell my clients to have a single goal that you want to do when you first become lucid, have a reason why, because if you're just like focusing on the intention of becoming lucid and then it happens, you're just like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Like, this is amazing. And then you don't have, your mind can't, doesn't have a focal point, you know? So it's good to have, choose something that excites you, like lucid dream flying or talking to a dream character so that you can kind of like refine that down and maintain your stability within that excitement. Remember when you... When you said that um, flying, I remember when I was, God, was I think it was like maybe eight or nine years old. I was at the front mm. of my house and I was standing like just outside the porch and I started to like move my hands, like flapping my hands like this. Mm. And I went up into the sky and I started flying. And I, mm. I remember that it just you just triggered a memory then. Mm. I thought I'd never lose a dream, but probably was the first time where I was flapping my hands flying. I remember just being off the the ground and just. Inside, there's this feeling of normality, like, oh, yeah, I can, this, this always happens. But yeah. then also, I think I woke myself up from memory. But that was my first lucid dream from memory. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because um, dream flying for me is a really strong dream sign, what they call a dream sign, when something consistently arises that triggers you into lucidity. Um, and because it kind of breaks the law of physics a little bit, sometimes it's enough to, to jumpstart you. But yeah, um, it's, I, I imagine that was like, it wasn't easy maybe to like really get off and start flying freely. Like, was it, was it a bit of a struggle when you were like, it, it was a struggle. Yeah, I feel like Dumbo yeah. with the ears flying. Yeah, it's like the mind is like, because the expectation and belief plays a critical role in creating the reality in lucid dreaming and, and waking reality. But the manifestation rate in lucid dream is quite quick. So if you are going like, oh, I can't fly, this is so difficult, and that's just going to continue to create that experience. So it's an interesting mental phenomena around the creation process within lucid dreaming as well. Yeah. Well, I imagine that, you know, if you're able to do these things in a dream, you might think to yourself, well, if I can do this in a dream and it feels real, then what can I do outside the dream? What can I do in my real life? Hundred mm, percent. Mm, that is, I think you just touched on one of the biggest benefits of lucid dreaming. It is really like a, a training ground for waking reality on a neurological level and on a psychological experience level. Um, from the perspective of viewing life as a bit more of a game, like the more lucid dream, I don't know. I just feel like waking reality just becomes a bit more of a game, and that's for a few reasons. One of which is when you just look forward to going through your dreams at night and for the adventure that can hold. And when a lucid dream also has the effect and possibility of just making you reside in a memory and an energy that just enhances your waking life as well. 
it's just like a bit of a snake hitting its own tail, you know? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun from a neurological perspective, how it enhances the waking reality is that any activity that you perform in the lucid dreaming state, whether that's a, a physical activity or a mental one, your brain waves, your, your brain neural connection is going to be performing in the same way as it would if you were actually performing the activity in waking reality. So you're essentially training your brain. Um, so whatever that is, if you have stage fright, um, I've had a few clients that had stage fright and I've just, you know, got them into that first lucid dream where they spoke in front of like 2000 people. And because there was no consequences, right. They didn't have any negative association with an outcome. They essentially programmed their mind over one or two lucid dreams to go, no, I can do this because technically I already have. And even just one of those lucid dreams can be enough to wake you up and just go, no, I've got this, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like another dimension inside of, well, I mean, not inside of anything, just another dimension entirely. Mm. And, you know, the, mm. the, the spiritual implications of that and just, you know, it almost feels like what is real at this point, you know, if you mm. can, if you can create a life, you know, because if, if there's no lucid dream, you'd be like, oh, well, then it's just a function of the brain reacting to some kind of, you know, chemical reaction. But if you can actually consciously choose it, consciousness is an, a, a source of intelligence and therefore a source of an expression of humanity, an expression of life, mm. then then what is actually real? Is lucid dreaming yeah. real or is, is waking life real? That's That's the question, isn't it? How do we define the essence of reality and what that is? You know, I think that... I think that waking reality is a reflection of mind. And I think that dreaming reality is, is also a reflection of mind. Um, they just, they just exist on different frequencies on different wavelengths, you know, but I think uh, you're creating your reality in the lucid dream, just as you are in waking reality. The only difference is the manifestation rate might be a little bit quicker between the two or, you know, quicker within the lucid dreaming realm. Um, but I guess from a more critical perspective in regards to the difference in that reality, when you're in lucid dream, you're projecting the experience through the mind's imagery. So technically mm -hmm. you are in the mental realm, right? Um, someone might say if you're in the astral plane with an out-of-body experience, you're not in the mental plane anymore. You might be exploring this physical reality from a different dimensional plane, right? Um, but that's not really what's occurring in lucid dreaming. You're within the realm of the, the conscious and the unconscious simultaneously when you're lucid dreaming. So that's how I would define it from the perspective of, of, of reality. Uh, not that that makes it any less real. Yeah, I was reading Carl Jung, uh, Jung's book, uh, Modern mm. Man in Search of a Soul. And the very first chapter talks about dream analysis mm. and how the numero uno tool that he found that worked for clients in discovering, you know, what what was best for them or what they needed in that point in their life was uh, looking into their dreams and mm -hmm. analyzing it. And there mm. was a, an example of a story of this guy um, who was giving Carl Jung shit, basically. And mm -hmm. he saw him on the street or something, and I'm paraphrasing. This is just my version yeah, of yeah. the story that he told in the book. And this guy's walking the street. He's like, oh, this is the guy to Carl Jung. He's like, oh, I was uh, having a dream that I was walking on a mountain, and um, I couldn't I couldn't walk or I couldn't move any any further. And then Carl Jung like, thought about it for a moment. And he's like, well, I, think, I don't think you should walk on mountains without a guide anymore because it could be dangerous. And mm. I think it was a couple months later, he almost died with an avalanche from the mountain. And then a few months after that, or a year after that or something, or sometime after that, he actually died on the mountain without a guide. Yeah, and, it well. was, and it was said that if he had a guide, he would have been okay. Yeah. 
yeah. mean, it just it just trips me out that mm. you know that and it could be just a random case, and you're like, oh, if you're a scientist, you're like, oh, well, that's where's where's the repeatable situation, yada yada yada. Um, but it's just interesting to me because I think that the dreams, you know, and I have some weird dreams. I had a dream once where this this person I was seeing had like ants on her neck. She had ants mm-hmm. on her neck, mm-hmm. and like the ants were moving up her neck. And that dream like really impacted me. This is a few mm. weeks ago, actually. Mm. Like what? Like what the hell does it mean? Do you, mm. Do you know the patterns of dreams and what the symbols are? Do you know the symbolisms of dreams at all? Um, I yeah, contextual I like as well, right? Yeah, it, it varies for mm-hmm. sure, and based on what's going on in your waking life in a consistent pattern and how that might manifest symbolically within the dream state. Definitely a few points that you touched on on there, but yeah, for um, sure. I don't think that uh, every single dream has some deep symbolic value. But I think that there are many, many little things that the unconscious mind surfaces in the dream state that might reflect an aspect of our waking reality. Um, a lot of it could just be yeah, passing moments of the day, uh, passing memories or ideas. Usually if there's a consistent anxiety that we're holding on to, that will tend to manifest in a fearful-based manner that we can pick up and, and work with. Um, but yeah, there's, that's why it's, it's quite helpful, I think, to be consistently focusing on your dreams and understanding and connecting with them because it's really just another way of connecting with your more holistic psyche and your holistic self. Um, so yeah, and in regards to the premonition aspect of things, I think that a lot of people have had an experience of some kind of dream where they felt this just happened in my dream and it's too weird for it there not to be some kind of cause and effect there, you know? I mean, one of the earliest ones I remember when was, this was quite a while ago, I was in like year eight or something. And I had a dream that this friend of mine, uh, this classmate got his hair cut like really short and mm-hmm. he'd had his like long hair for ages. Like he loved it. Like it was just, you know, one of those things. And, and then two days later I show up and sure enough, he's got his hair like basically shaven off. And I was just like, <laughs> that's just, it was, I, I'm almost, of course you could argue, wow. okay, maybe he said something to someone and unconsciously I remembered that I didn't really hear it kind of went into the dream could happen but you know there's been a fair few cases like that where um like you know there was just very interesting sequences like that and i guess my answer for that would be um that we only experience time as a linear process in this particular waking reality but when you're in the dream state you're kind of like in this weird middle ground between that and quantum physicists and you know spiritual people for a very long time mystics have been saying that Time is now, you know, it's all nonlinear, the past, present and future all occurring now. You might have heard that said many times by spiritual people and quantum physicists are now verifying that. Um, So when you're in the dream state, your unconscious mind is able to tap into a quantum timeline that has a very high probability of occurring due to the energetic state that you're pushing out forwards when you're in the waking physical state. And if there's a high enough probability of it occurring, it can filter through into your unconscious mind and you can pick it up and get a visual symbolic or quite a direct, uh, you know, experience of what is very likely to occur within your waking timeline. That's at least the theory behind the, the nonlinear aspect of those, those, that premonition process in the dream state. Wow, man, that's huge. <laughs> Just dropping a couple bombs there. No, no, absolutely, man. That's epic. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I feel there's a certain place for science and there's always a certain place for speculation and, and the, the, uh, uh, the mystical, right? I mean, mm. I see I see my own mind dominated by a scientific or logical approach, much like the approach that we were perhaps taught in school and other ways of life, like science first, science first, science first, science mm-hmm. first. Mm. And it, it becomes kind of um, doling of reality because you start looking at life through the lens of 
how would you say, uh, of, of a box instead of a rainbow. You know, you have the logical mind thinking in a square and it's like this is all the potentials of reality in this square box mm. and outside that square box what is not proved is therefore not as real as it would be if it is proved. Mm. And, mm. you know, my, my last guest was with uh, uh, Scott um, called The Brain Guy and he was mm. talking about either something is 100% true or it's not true. And what he meant by that was that what is true is this moment and what isn't mm. true is simply not true. You might have scientific facts that are 99% true. Mm. It's not 100% true, you know. So mm. you look at the things that are the truth. Look at it. Yeah, I mean, your experience right now, I mean, what there's a truth for everyone. That's the complicated part as well. You have an experience, I have an experience. We will think different things about what we're doing right now. But in this very moment, what is happening, like you said, um, it's non I think you use the word non-linear or something like mm-hmm. that. It's just mm-hmm. it's one moment in this moment, and that it's is incredibly difficult to consciously comprehend what that looks like. Um, right, but apparently it's a reality. So, yeah, well, it's it's hard too, but I think because the conscious mind is constantly pinging between looking at the past and looking at the future, so we're trying to hammer in a nail with. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, mm. a blunt tool, or perhaps like our hands. We're trying to hammer it now with our hands. Like we can't consciously perceive something that isn't there to perceive it in the first place. And mm. I think going full circle, that's what dreaming is. It's the unconscious mind manifesting itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you are dancing within the realm of the unconscious uh, within within the dream state. And it's, it's difficult from a scientific perspective. All we can do is really prove that lucid dreaming is a possibility by measuring your brainwaves on an EG machine synced up with patterns, you know, that have been pre-orchestrated, right? But uh, science has a problem measuring some of the more non-physical aspects of reality. And I guess my argument is that there could be reality as we know it could be way more expansive and we have a, a way deeper connection with, with, the, with the universe on a more interconnected level. But if there's not a way to empirically measure that process, unfortunately, I think science r- uh, will choose to shut down the discussion rather than exploring it like a sort of, uh, from an, you know, an artistic perspective, explore the anecdotal side of it, see if uh, it can create any value if we can't empirically prove it. And sometimes I feel like uh, it, it, it would prefer to shut down the discussion rather than explore it in an open-minded manner if it, if it finds it difficult to really pinpoint it down. Um, but lucid dreaming is certainly gaining more popularity and i'm quite confident that it could become a household name like meditation was you know is now and 10 years ago it was uh you know it's it was more of a spiritual process and now we're realizing it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing everybody can use it for anything you know entrepreneurs are using it it's got so many physical mental spiritual benefits i think that lucid dreaming could is is on its path to that kind of an accepted model as well um yeah, but right now it's a little bit new, <laughs> both from a, sci- a scientific perspective as well and, and a psychological one. Mm. And for those listening who, you know, the kind of a starter kit, and you know, this could be for me as well, how would one go about starting lucid dreaming? You know, like if there's a, a one, two, three step process, you know, obviously you can't explain everything in a you know short amount of time. Yeah, but if sure. You, yeah. If mm. you were starting again, you know, if you were seven years old and you, you know, you had all the knowledge you had now to tell yourself, it's like, Jamie, do this, step one, step two, step three, what Mm. might it be? First, I would start with the most simple definition of what lucid dreaming actually is, because sometimes people get a little bit confused around that. So 
Simply put, lucid dreaming is the ability to know that you're dreaming while you're in a dream. And many of us have had an experience where part of our awareness kind of knows that we're dreaming. It's a bit like a flickering on and off. We have a bit more control or willpower within the dream than usual, um, but it's not necessarily full lucidity. So what full lucidity might look like is, let me, let's say that that is the dream keep space. keep in mind right? there's people listening as well. So if you could describe what's there. Yeah, people so just we have a circle here. Yep. That represents the dream space. And that represents your point of awareness, right? Yeah, it's a so circle like outside said, the circle for those listening. Yeah, the little circle outside the circle represents your point of awareness. Uh, oh, of course, right? So it's a podcast. People can't see this. Yeah. Yeah. So larger circle, <laughs> dream space, smaller circle on the outside of it is your point of awareness. Sometimes uh, your little point of awareness on the outside of the circle here, like I said, is partly aware that you're dreaming, but you're almost in an observer-like state, right? You're not merged with the dream space. A full lucid dreaming experience is when that circle, your awareness permeates and enters the dream space. Your consciousness enters it. So you're like, oh, I'm dreaming right now. And you're fully 100% immersed in that lucid experience. And then it's up to you to choose what you want to create with the correct stability methods. Um, one of the main techniques or a couple of the main techniques, one is called a reality check which is when consistently throughout the day you ask yourself, am I awake or am I dreaming? And now that sounds, it's going to sound a little bit weird to some people because why would you do that, right? I already know that I'm dreaming. But the reason we do that is because the more you ask that, the more likely it is that eventually you trigger the conscious mind enough to ask the same question when you're actually dreaming. And mm. then hopefully you perform a correct state check, which is something to actually verify if you are or aren't dreaming once you've asked that question like trying to fly or going like this with your hand, which usually creates a very interesting reaction in the, in the dream state. Um, that would be the first one, reality checks. Another that all these dreamers have to do is dream journaling, um, which as we mentioned before is, is a holistic benefit. It's writing down your dreams, getting familiar with them, memorizing them, because what we're trying to do there is become familiar with what we call our dream signs, which is the consistent themes, anomalies or reoccurrences uh, that that happen within dream state so that our conscious mind becomes very familiar with that environment. So tied in with the reality checks, they work hand in hand so that we can eventually become lucid more consistently. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, as we mentioned before, once that process is in place, you're asking yourself throughout the day, you know, am I, am I asleep or am I awake or am I dreaming? Am I awake? My apologies. Um, you, will, you will start to, then when you're asleep, you will start to have that come up in your mind and that mm -hmm. will bring you into, like you said, into the the space of, oh, I'm dreaming right now. Now I can control real the reality of the dream. Exactly, exactly. Right. And, and another and really good little tip in alignment with that is before you go to sleep at night, if the last thought in your mind can be an intention of tonight will become lucid or I look forward to my dreams or I want to have a lucid dream tonight, what you're essentially doing is, is this is how affirmations work. So they actually do work. It's not mumbo jumbo. What you're doing, if that's like the last thought that goes into your head, you're sending a very clear intent to your unconscious mind. And if that's one of the last energetic thought sequences that your consciousness was holding on to, it will then manifest in the lucid dream and significantly enhance the chances of you becoming lucid. If you're right at that point of like drifting off to sleep and that's one of the last thought intents that you're holding on to, um, it's called the auto-suggestion technique. It's, really, it's a really good little tip for anyone who wants to try it out. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what affirmation is. You're, you're sending a program, a very strong intention to your unconscious mind Mm. So that your unconscious mind, which is this motherboard of a lot of data about self and the world, goes, okay, 
conscious Jamie wants to receive more of this data or this more information, we're going to start filtering that intention or those thoughts back into his conscious mind, you know, so he can start working with them and take action on them, right? Mm. Um, and then you might notice, oh, I'm having more thoughts about that thing that I was really focusing on a little bit, you know what I mean? And that's how that affirmation, affirmation might manifest in a lucid sense. That's why we do reality checks. That's why mm. we dream journal. We're familiarizing ourselves, yeah. Right, and when you're in the lucid dream, is there any laws? I mean, and what I mean by that <laughs> is, because I think myself, mm. it's like, oh, surely there has to be some barrier. Like, you can't just turn to mm. a giraffe or a zebra or something. Oh, no, the, the, the literally sky's the limit. The only limit is really? your imagination. The only limit is your imaginative ability to create. Seriously. There are masters of lucid dreaming, particularly in the East, who claim that they can literally split their consciousness simultaneously into 50 or 100 different dream characters at the same time, essentially like wow. a hive mind consciousness. I can't consciously comprehend what that experience, experience is like. I haven't successfully completed it yet, but I have certainly had experiences that were similar and different, like uh, asking the dream space, which is, I'll tell you about ask what happens when you ask the dream space. It's a very interesting topic. Um, when you ask the dream space or a question or a statement, very interesting. I asked the dream I want to become an eagle. Now, I didn't say, what's it like to become an eagle? I said, I want to become an eagle. And that's going to create a different response. The dream will reflect what you ask it directly, word for word. I literally became an eagle. Now, I can't prove what I know what it's like to actually be an eagle, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure my unconscious mind or my higher self, whatever it was, got that shit done good because my, my image changed. It was way wider and, and bird-like. I literally felt my dream body morph. I could feel my wings. I didn't even feel my hands. It felt, I literally felt wings and I was just gliding and I felt so peaceful. Um, like literally my, my bodily energy shifted to what I imagine my unconscious mind knows what it's like to be an eagle somehow. Um, and it was an amazing, you know, <laughs> an amazing experience. So the depth of the unconscious mind, the depth of your imagination, you get to experience it on such a direct level once you're lucid. And it really, it literally blows your mind and just shows you what the mind is actually capable of. And after eight years, <laughs> uh, this is why I want to teach it because the experiences I've had have just been mind blowing and mind altering in a way that can shift my experience of waking reality as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, imagine if one day they can actually, you know, if they get the EEG on the head or, you know, MRI, MRI mm. and actually can see like the, the, the motor part of the brain and you describe the dream afterwards and they start looking at your brain, it's like yes. some part of your brain is activated that is the motor part. Or imagine one day they can actually, you know, like there's a, a movie, um, Prometheus, mm -hmm. is it Prometheus, where they go into the, the, the tubes and on the tubes they can see what the person's dream is. Mm. Uh, they actually, on the Can't side. I remember they can, that from Prometheus. Right. Yeah, because they go into um, uh, hypercarbonation, or uh, you know, mm -hmm. where they they, they pause the body. Yeah, where they pause the body and they go into they yeah. go into, into space and they go on this yeah, planet. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, they can see the side and this person's having a dream. This AI robot's looking at like, hmm, wonder what it's like to dream. And I wonder, you know, it's probably going to happen one day. And I oh. wonder what it'd be like to see someone's dream and then confirm, like, okay. This isn't bullshit. This person's a fucking eagle right now. Like, this guy <laughs> is a proper eagle and he's just chilling. He's chilling in the sky like being an eagle. I think maybe right now they'd be able to observe certain parts of the brain, like, you know, lighting up with a significant lucid dreaming experience. Not that that proves, you know, oh, mm. okay, we can see in the brain now that he was an eagle at that point. You know what I mean? But, but, but what if it's outside that? That's what I mean. What if it is so beyond us? We'll never actually know if it's real or not because by real, I mean scientifically real 
because you're actually accessing, and this is stuff that trips me out. I don't know if I believe it or not, but but it, I mean, there has to be something, right? Imagine you're having that that experience of being an eagle, mm. and it's like somewhere in the conscious field, another dimension or whatever that that's happening to an eagle. I don't know. Like it's just that. Yeah, that's like. Are, are you saying that potentially the consciousness of a human could permeate? The body of an eagle in a out of body like experience. Well, there are masters that report that. Um, now, this is going to sound quite woohoo to people that aren't familiar with this space or are familiar with astral traveling or out of body experiences. But masters report the ability to leave their physical body um, with their light body, their etheric, oh, not their etheric body, um, what you could technically define as a portion of the soul, uh, and travel in the fourth density reality, observing the physical and allow their consciousness to permeate an animal and experience reality through, through them, um, which that would be a slightly different experience to the lucid dream in which my unconscious mind is creating the experience of what it's like to be an eagle, right? Um, but they say that, you know, they report those kinds of experiences, not that we can prove it, completely anecdotal, but um, I believe that those processes of consciousness are possible. I believe that out of out of body experience, consciousness isn't limited or to the brain or created by the brain. Um, and enough lucid dreaming experiences have uh, strengthened my faith in that uh, process of consciousness. Yeah. So what it really is, man, you know, like so lucid dreaming in reality, what it could be as a definition is a doorway into the mystical. In a way, it's like a doorway into something. Um, mm. like a kind of like a, a back door to you know the, the universe in a way mm. that's pretty Absolutely. cool Absolutely, that's I think that it's it's the perfect middle ground because um, when I talk about lucid dreaming anybody and everybody is willing to accept it at whatever their level they're at you know because we can prove its reality you know a scientific minded person might just go hey yeah I, I want to tr- practice this experiment that I've been thinking about you know and um, even Albert Einstein though it doesn't report he was lucid says that he received inspiration for general relativity through a process of dreams and many mm-hmm. other people have reported higher inspiration for experiments and ideas through through the dream state so people like that can approach it for that reason a spiritual minded person might say I want to connect more with my higher self or I want to integrate and get a more conscious understanding of aspects of my deeper psyche that I don't usually get access to in the waking state, you know? So there are a variety of reasons why I might, a person might really want to become involved in this, in the space. Um, but it is, I think, uh, it can be quite a deep spiritual experience. If you choose to go down that path, you many lucid dreamers just choose to have fun with it. And why wouldn't you? It is so much fun. There's so much that you can do. Um, so it really just depends where you want to take it and, and it's all fine. And why not as well, right? It's not like you have to invest that much time or energy into it. It's like literally I'm going to do these reminders throughout the day, maybe mm. set a reminder on my phone, <clears throat> I'll do something like that. And then it comes to nighttime, like I can just go on this adventure. So why why wouldn't you, right? Yeah, for sure. I guess some people that I talk to have an idea They're like, no, I like my dreams like normal. I just want a flow of that. I don't want to wreck anything. And other people are just like, they just yeah, the interest it. is just not there, you know, and that that's fine. It's uh, not something they would naturally gravitate to. It's uh, can be a, bit, a little bit weird for some people, you know. And, um, but yeah, I just find it from a fun perspective. You know, psychologists recognize that the um, the healthiest people seem to be those that seek joy and you know and create it for themselves. And so I just think that's one of the simplest benefits of lucid dreaming is you know, say you you bought a festival ticket two months ahead, you have that thing in the back of the mind that you're just looking forward to. You know, add some 
adds some strength to your day a little bit. And I have that like most nights, you know, throughout the week when I'm just looking forward to my next lucid dream experiment or what am I going to do this time, you know? Um, so yeah, let's, let's ride a unicorn on a pickle through the, <laughs> yeah, through the crab nebula. Why not? <laughs> the crab nebula. Yeah. It's a thing. That's hot. So hot. So, you know, what, what's interesting for me is, well, when I was, uh, how old was I? I think I was, maybe just 18 i got this little headset thing that mm-hmm. went around my eyes and it's called remy from memory it had like these flashing lights mm-hmm. on there and it would like instead of having the anchor of like whatever it is that you want to choose it's like an actual mm-hmm. light flashing in your eye mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this thing um didn't work for me because like it just like i was like oh, i want to sleep well tonight i'll be woken up and it used to wake me yeah. up all the time and not actually let me lucid dream um but i kind of then I then I started looking to it a bit more. I'm just having these memories come back now when we're talking about this. People having bad experiences lucid dreaming, like freaking mm-hmm. out and like having, like some people getting, I don't know if this is real or not, but some people getting caught in the dream in the sense where they go crazy and they get caught in this loop of a dream. Okay. Is that, have you heard that before or is that just? Yeah, I would like, a, yeah, I'd like a clearer definition of what you might mean by that because a lot of people that report fear in a dream and getting caught, a lot of the time I find they can be referring to uh, sleep paralysis without kind of knowing it. Uh-huh, um, yeah. A lot of people, this is a very common response actually, and I get, oh, lucid dreaming, like, oh, that's scary. I had some really scary experience. I'm like, oh, what was, what was that for you? And they tell me, I'm like, oh, that's sleep paralysis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make a clear distinction here. They're not the same thing and you don't have to go through sleep paralysis to enter a lucid dream. Sleep paralysis is simply where your mind remains aware. It's similar, but not quite the same thing. Your mind remains aware as you're drifting off to sleep. So you're aware that your body is in sleep paralysis. Um, Now, if you're approaching lucid dreaming from a technical perspective to learn how to do it through what's called a wild wake-induced lucid dream, that's when you're training the mind to enter sleep consciously without mm-hmm. any lapse in awareness. And sometimes throughout an experience, sleep paralysis can occur, but not every time. The, the highest success rate usually occurs through what's called a dialed, which is dream-induced lucid dream, where you go to sleep like usual and you're training the conscious mind to become aware and awake once you're actually dreaming and asleep, right? But yeah, sleep paralysis can be an incredibly scary experience with visual phenomena as well. Um, but also lucid dreaming nightmares are a thing too, of course, you know, um, they can be scary as well. But the, the trick is that if you have a lucid dreaming nightmare to face whatever is going on within that, because it can actually lead to quite a bit of healing and integration rather than running away from it. Lucid dreaming nightmares tend to uh, be very symbolic or nightmares in general for that matter, arising from uh, an anxious aspect of ourselves that we haven't consciously integrated that surfaces on a symbolic level. And when we're lucid and within a dream like that, it can be very, very confronting um, because we're unconsciously facing a fear in a, in a visual manner that we are pushing away consistently in waking reality. So yeah, that can be scary, but a lot of healing can come from it if you choose to actually face what's going on within that. Um, may have gone on a bit of a tangent there. You mentioned that uh, getting stuck in a loop. Can you explain what you meant by that? Well, I didn't mean anything besides the fact that I had seen that a few years ago, you know, like about mm. 10 years ago now almost when I, when I did some research into it and people were saying they had a bad experience. But you've, yeah, I think you've pretty much, you know, you've, you've addressed that. I think it would be something like sleep paralysis. Mm. And, you know, the experience of lucid dreaming, you know, touching on what you said there at the end is like hallucinogens, right? It's funny mm-hmm. how the, the, the loose part is in there. 
um, it's like hallucinogens, right? You have bad mm. trips, you have good trips, and if you mm-hmm. learn to face them, from what I've seen, you can you can grow a lot. And yeah. it's kind of like a, it'd be like a gateway, uh, lucid dream would be like a gateway, quote unquote, drug to go into doing mushrooms and psycho, uh, uh, psilocybin and and whatnot. Yeah, potentially. I, I like to look at lucid dreaming as a free psychedelic. <laughs> it really is just like uh, a, yeah. an infinite playground within your own mind that you can access as much as you want, you know, once you get good at it. Um, another interesting thing to try out is actually trying drugs in a lucid dream. <laughs> and it actually have does you done happen. that before? I have, yeah. It does. Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting because you're closer to the unconscious mind, which means you're close, closer to a holistic set of memories. So when you tune into an intention to have a particular experience, you're tapping into the aspect of the unconscious mind that's able to bring it to the surface more quickly. So I have actually felt that not only my visual experience shifted in the dream when I tried psychedelics, like I, just to be clear, I didn't try psychedelics and have a lucid dream, like in the waking state and then go into a dream. I was sober, went to sleep, had a lucid dream, and then tried a, a psychedelic once I was lucid, like in the dream. And not only did oh, I get, uh, right. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thought I'd clear that up. And when I did that, my visual experience changed within the dream and also my consciousness and awareness felt like it shifted as well. And I just think it was because uh, my unconscious mind was able to more easily provide me that experience and tap into the frequency of my last memory associated with that psychedelic um, But I haven't had an experience where I took a psychedelic in waking reality and then like, uh, like was actually high and then had a lucid dream, but I have noticed. It'd be possible to fall um, asleep, wouldn't it? I mean, you could hypothetically you could take it and then immediately fall asleep, right? <laughs> but people do that and it's had some interesting results. But um, yeah, there are some substances that certainly can in- increase uh, your vividness of a dream. Um, if you're smoking cannabis a lot, you'll, you'll find your ability to remember your dreams will become diminished. But lots of stoners will tell you that if they stop smoking. Um, their dreams just blow up, blow mm, I've up. I've heard that before as well. And that's, that occurs through a process called uh, REM rebound. When you're even drinking as well or smoking weed, your REM cycles are actually shorter, which means your dreams are going to be less vivid and less long. So when you stop drinking or you stop smoking, your brain has to catch up for that lost REM sleep, which results in longer REM cycles that tend to be coincide with uh, more vivid dream sequences as well. So it's easier to become lucid if you've trained the mind with a basic level of lucidity programming to like smoke a bit of a joint and then go to bed, you know, or, or even a day later, you'll find your dreams will probably be more vivid. Um, but there are other substances as well that are um, not... Yeah, well, not illegal <laughs> if you wanted to try that as well. Yeah. yeah, epic, dude. I mean, for me, like, you know, coming from like a, a rigid kind of way of looking at the world, and mm. I say that admittedly because, you know, there's a level of cynicism that comes with observing things that are kind of esoterical and off the norm. Mm. And, you know, it just comes from a – because and this goes back to the truth thing, right? It's like what is true is like what's this moment? And anyone who listens to this and thinks – what the fuck is that? That's fucking bullshit. It's like there's truth mm-hmm. and there's not truth. It's like how can you deny someone of a truth that is theirs when they have an experience that's in alignment with that? You know, like what you're feeling right now is like how can I say it's not true? Like science can't say mm. it's not true. I mm. can't say it's not true. And that's the truth of lucid dreaming as well. And it's like a bunch of people are doing it. A bunch of people are saying it. They're saying it works. And then you also have people talking about, you know, DMT and, and hallucinogenics and and uh, 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 and having trips and how real it feels, mm. and 
to me, that's the most staggering thing of this all. It's like we can actually access this part of reality and then it, it, there's some truth to it and there's some realness mm-hmm. to it. Mm. Um, and, f- Absolutely, and for me, yeah. yeah, and for me, dude, like it's it's just as important as living a, a regular waking life and kind of just doing your thing. It's like we, we're playing in the confines of this construct of this this virtual reality, right? And then when mm. we go lose a dream, it sounds like we create our own constructs. Mm. I think we're always creating our, our own constructs, you know what I mean? And in a, in a lucid Ooh. dream, you, you have access to uh, you have access to a more holistic array of, of those constructs and uh, to be able to play around with them. You know, for example, I can just go up to that dream character now and say, what do you represent or what information do you have for me? Like when else am I able to do that and gain direct insight to my unconscious mind in such a conversational manner? And that's mm. what I think is one of the, the best benefits to get, you know, that that insight that you can't prove, um, or it might be difficult to access in in, in the waking state. But have you yeah, so you've done uh, it before? You've asked yes. your unconscious questions. What's some questions you've asked? And what's come up? <sighs> what's come if up? If you want to share, you don't have to. Yeah, no, no, to. absolutely. Um, back to what I said earlier around asking the dream a question. Um, that's when some really really interesting things can happen. Um, I've asked the dream something like play me some beautiful music. This is one of the more profound ones. Um, I, I just said, play me some beautiful music. I wanted to see what the dream could create from that. And I, like, I've never heard this sound. Played baby shark. Yeah. On loop 10 hours, just like stuck in a loop. <laughs> yes. loop. We love it. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's not ideal. Um, yeah. And it was basically like this really beautiful melancholy, angelic like choir <laughs> that i heard um i can't quite describe it because i haven't heard it in waking reality before but it it made me enter uh a state that we call the super lucid state where i experienced a sense of oneness within the dream and it was almost like if you could imagine that every atom was like a super crystal clear uh uh sound speaker that was just emanating this amazing sound vibration to the point where my sense of self kind of dissolved in the vibrational quality of this music. And there was no difference between self and other. I was just bathed in this vibrational beauty of, of the musical tone and um, became one with that, that the vibration in the music. And I was like, that felt like an experience that came from beyond my unconscious. I will say that. That's when it gets a little bit weird and tied back into the whole psychedelic point you made earlier around dmt a lot of people that have a breakthrough experience on dmt feel like they've literally left their body and engaged with an intelligence and an awareness that is beyond their psyche beyond their unconscious and that's what i feel like when i'm asking the dream a question and getting a response um, it's called the hidden observer in the west we call it the hidden observer in the east they call it the atman which is kind of just like the higher self uh, the west chooses not to put that label on it but all I can say is that there is a vast amount of intelligence and guidance and wisdom that is permeating the dream space. When you choose to ask it a question, it will respond directly. Um, and it's resulted in some beautiful experiences that I wouldn't, haven't gotten through meditation. Um, well, not on a visual level in that sense. Yeah. Even more beautiful than having sex in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's wondering jamie (laughs) yeah oh man lucid dream sex is a lot of fun i'll be honest it's it's um 
it feels great. I've had many amazing experiences. Um, and it's not something that we should be shameful of. It's a perfectly normal thing to want to experiment with and go down. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy. I was thinking the other day, I was like, if, if I want to have sex with a lucid dreaming character, I'm not actually performing in the physical act, but it feels like I am. So what's actually the difference? Technically speaking, I don't need a dream character to have the physical experience of life force energy or that tantric sexual energy moving through my body. So that's another thing that I've been experimenting with a little bit more is just seeing how I can channel that sexual energy throughout my body without uh, the association that my mind needs to believe that I'm having the experience by engaging with a dream character. Um, so that's how you get to kind of test out what the mind is capable of in regards to essential experience by breaking down the barriers of the association of what the mind thinks it's, it needs to have an experience and just going, no, I choose to just tune into the energy behind it. This is going to be a deep question. Mm. If you had a choice to go to sleep forever and be put to sleep and lucid dream for the rest of your life, create your reality in the dream. No. Would you do it? Why? If you can do anything you want in the dream, why wouldn't you? Why Why is life more important than creating the can life I, that you want? Can I exit the lucid dream whenever I want to or am I stuck there indefinitely? Well, you're stuck there indefinitely, but keep in mind that you can create your life right now in the lucid dream whenever you want. So isn't that technically the same thing if you're inside mm -hmm. the dream? The... Technically speaking, wouldn't be much of a difference. So it's an interesting question. Um, but if I'm going to answer it quite literally, if, if I'm there forever, I would say no, because I still want my soul to leave my body eventually <laughs> so I can continue my soul evolution and I'm not just stuck in this earth suit for, for yonks, even if uh, I can continue oh, you to won't create be. my you... reality right. within the hey, lucid you... dream. So from that level <laughs> of a response, I would say, I would probably choose not to. I think I'd, I prefer the dance and the balance between waking reality and then going back to dreaming reality. But that raises an interesting question. Why wouldn't you go to your dream if you can create your life right now and live out your life? Like what, what is so valuable about your life right now that you can't create in a lucid dream? Can you say that one more time, please? So right now, as we're living and breathing, right, we have a life mm. that we've constructed and we live in a reality where there's rules and, and kind of laws of physics and whatever. Mm. If you can create this same reality in a lucid dream and you can do whatever you want in a lucid dream, you can create at playing the person you are right now in the dream plus do anything you want at any time. What is so important about the reality we're in now that uh, trumps wanting to be able to do that in a lucid dream whenever you want? Like what's, mm. what's so important to you about this world or just in the general term as of life? Like what's so important to you about this, this reality in right now that makes you not want to exit it? I know, I know it sounds funny, but it's not it's, that I, it's not that I, yeah, it's an interesting question. It's not that I don't want to exit it. Um, I guess, uh, I would say that when you're in, when you're in waking reality, you're confronted with, with different challenges. Um, and I, I also like to experience the, the process of time in the, in the waking state as opposed to the, the dreaming state where the manifestation rate is basically instantaneous, whatever you think will eventually be created. Um, and which is also something that many mystics say is going to happen at the point of death. Um, whatever you think literally becomes reality virtually instantaneously. And I guess I like, I like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I like waking. I don't really have a clear answer for that, to be honest. Um, 
why I would choose to stay within this one if I can create and do whatever I want in the other. Um, but to me, my mind, I guess, still believes that waking reality is more real than lucid dreaming, perhaps. Is that just an idea? I think it is more of an idea, yeah. It depends, again, on how you define reality at the end of the day, right? Because I could just look at you and be like, at your the absolute essence of your being, you're just another version of me. You're technically just another dream character. Or I'm just another dream character for you. The only thing that creates the illusion of separation is you have a completely different personality construct and you look different. But the part of your consciousness that's capable of being aware that you're aware and capable of creating your own personality construct, that essence of self is no different to me or literally anything else. So there is really not much of a difference. It's just all a reflection of mind and that essence of consciousness. So from that level, there's not much difference between waking and dreaming. It's just another manifestation of, of, of the self. Um, but I like the dance and I like the balance between the two. <laughs> mm. What are we here mm. for, bro? Yeah, bro. <laughs> no, I said, why, I said, why are we here? God damn. Jeez, am I qualified to answer the question, Luke? You sure want to go for it? Far away. <laughs> why are we here? Fuck. Um, I think we're here because... <laughs> what level do we want to answer this from? Why are we here? Where is your heart, man? Point, at one point... Yeah, at one point, source or spirit or consciousness or God, whatever you choose to define that energy as, decide, decide to have an experience of itself in infinite different forms. And that's what I think we are. I think we're the universe having an experience of itself. Because So we're the, self, we're the lucid dream having the multiple dreams. Literally. You could, under the model that I just described it as, technically speaking, we're in a lucid dream if we're in the waking reality, if we're aware of our connection with the source of that consciousness and how it chooses to experience us, me, in infinite different forms. Um, so I think we're here to remember that. I think we're here to remember our connection with that source ultimately, and choose to live our life in conscious alignment with that. Okay, a few, a few rapid-fire questions and we'll wrap it up. Um, what is, if, okay, if there's one thing, well, let me rephrase it actually. What is the biggest issue in the world at the moment and what is the solution? It can't be lucid dream, it has to be something else. Love that you know, question. I think all the problems in the world right now <clears throat> stem from a state of consciousness. All the problems that we are observing on the external exterior reality stem from an inherent deep dysfunctional wound that is present in the collective and that has been there for a very long time. <clears throat> and the source of that wound <clears throat> is uh, fear, which I think stems from a lack of understanding that we are one consciousness. We are one family. And why would you hurt somebody else uh, if you realized it was just hurting yourself? And we're in a mindset collectively, I think, that chooses to operate from uh, control and fear uh, and manipulation um, because it's forgotten the nature of self in alignment with that one connection. And I think that's what's caused a lot of the dysfunction on the planet for thousands of years. And so I think a shift in consciousness is needed <clears throat> to alleviate and transcend the, the illusions of hate, division, and fear on the planet. Um, unity is much more power powerful than um, uh, a model of competition and, and greed in a capitalistic world that thinks that's the only way to uh, thrive to survive. <clears throat> Sounds beautiful, man. The only irony in that is that I think a lot of us unconsciously or consciously know that, but mm. 
you know, it's and it's it, the funny thing is I believe that as well. But then mm. tomorrow I might go out and try to uh, become richer than someone, and you know, like it's not a, a function of uh, of me as a person in the full extent of it. It's a mm. function of of the civilization we live in. Mm. It's kind of like the egg or the chicken thing situation. But you know, regardless if you think that and you know that, and you you know, a knowingness of the uni- unity of us, we will still do those things anyway. So my my question mm. is is do you think that we should adapt to who we are naturally as human nature or do you think that we can completely change that? An example might be, you know, we have cognitive biases. We have the yeah. bias of availability, you know, like we think in our brain. If, if I see a clock that, um, uh, this a better example, sorry. If I, if I see some information on someone, it's most available in my mind, uh, I will I will believe that's the thing. Another example of that that's more simple is confirmation bias. If I believe something, if I want to believe something, I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we should try to learn around that or do you think that we should try remove that as a means of saying we are bigger than this, we are bigger than our human nature has said we are for the last how long we've been alive? When you say we need to remove that, I'm not really sure what that refers to. And when you said, should we choose to be in alignment with our human nature? I'm also not clear on what your definition of what that human nature might be. So until we can get a clearer definition of the semantics around it, I'm not actually sure I'd be answering the question probably because it's very easy to lose ourselves within this kind, these kinds of questions, I think, yeah, sometimes. Well, I'd be interested to dive in if you want Mm. to. But I mean, with human nature, I mean, inherently, Mm. uh, if you look at the history of humanity, and mm-hmm. you draw upon the examples of us seeking power and seeking control and negativity bias. And the so basically, there's, there's a two-pronged thing. It's like the, heurist, the uh, heuristics and biases that we have and the outputs of those. So, you know, seeking power, but pretending that we're altruistic and doing things that are uh, more to do to favor us than other people, mm-hmm. which goes against, you know, what we need to be learning Yeah. V- versus, verse, you know, like there's a consciousness above that, that we can actually transcend through, say, lucid dreaming or meditation. Or consciousness within us that we have access to, the essence of ourselves. Yeah. I wouldn't so define it as above us or separate to us. I think it's the most okay. natural self that every human being has the capacity to consciously align with. Um, and that's something that I think of, uh, the collective has, has, has forgotten, which has caused the dysfunction on the planet because we operate out of fear when we, when we don't remember our connection with absolute self. And that's, okay. what's, that's what's responsible for the vast majority of the dysfunction on, on the planet that we see now, I think. Gotcha. Okay. So how, how do we access that? What, what do you think that we should do to access that part? I think a, a very simple starting point is meditation. Because regardless of your uh, beliefs about God or spirituality, if you're atheist, whatever it is, consistent meditation gets you into a mindset where you're responding rather than reacting. Um, So if I have an emotion of anger or jealousy or frustration or hurt, you know, I'm going to choose to sit with that emotion a little bit, rest with it. Mm -hmm. Where is this coming from? Is it serving me? Um, how do I choose to respond from this place? So slowing <laughs> and down. And if we all got better at that, that mindfulness, which is really the, the highest benefit of meditation as one of them, then it causes less problems in the world, you know, because that domino effect of just act, reacting from your emotions, reacting from anger, you know, uh, as, as Dale Carnegie says, nothing good ever came from an angry email, you know? Um, so 
Dale Carnegie said that? I believe so. An angry Maybe email? don't quote me on that. Yeah, do you know Dale Carnegie? Dale Pretty Carnegie, sure he, he wasn't around when emails were around from memory. Sorry? He, he wrote a book in 1940, so I don't think he was around when emails were around. That is a very good point. He's nothing ever. No, wait, no, no. He, when did he write the book? He wrote the book quite a while. It's a pretty old book. His book, um, 1940s, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Yeah. Um, maybe it wasn't an email. Maybe he's like, nothing, nothing good ever came from an angry letter. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> that um, works as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Um, yeah. And so I just think, long story short, meditation, I think, is just the simplest way to alleviate that because, you know, it's, it creates a positive domino effect of, of a mindfulness response, uh, responding rather than reacting, yeah. Epic. No worries, bro. Let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to add? Where can people find you? Yeah, my Instagram is uh, mindmadelucid if you guys want to <clears throat> look into a little bit more about lucid dreaming. Um, and uh, yeah, I do one-on-one coaching. I also run seminars. So whatever feels more comfortable for you, if that's something you're interested in. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Luke. It was a great chat, mate. Absolute pleasure, bro. Love you, mm. man. Much love, bro. That was good stuff. Thank you, beautiful people, for listening to another episode of the Getting Mental Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, follow, and share it with your friends and family. If you would like to see more of the Getting Mental podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or on every social media platform. You can find us at Getting Mental Podcast. Till next time.